And if he was coming towards you, he looked just like that. It just makes me <laughs> chuckle. Okay, so today's the ninth, and here's a proverb from uh, chapter 9, verse 12. You are the one who will profit if you have wisdom, and if you reject it, you're the one who will suffer. Well, that's a great one. Today I want to talk to you about um, the last one in the series, but I want to talk to you about how crummy advice that kind of messes up our lives. And, um, I mean, on TV, you can get advice um, on any network you turn, tune to at any time of the day or night, there's 24-7, there's advice, you know, about things that you need. You need a, a nicer car, you need a bigger house, you need a bigger garage. Well, that's true. I mean, that part's true. You need, you know, and if, and if you have all that stuff, you'll be satisfied. That's what the advice will, will be that you'll get, you know. And, 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 of course, what the advice doesn't tell you is that you'll also get another payment. But the thinking is, hey, you deserve that nicer car and that nicer. And, you know, and, and I've asked before in, uh, in, I won't ask you again, but I've asked before, um, you know, if you had a little bit more money, would that be... Would that be help? Would that help you out? I mean, would, would you, you know, <laughs> everybody would, would that make life better and easier? And you know, if I gave if I gave you ten thousand dollars, would you be happy? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the of course. I would say yes to that too. Um, of course. And 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 almost everybody would say if I had a little bit more money, it would make life easier and better, and I'd you know be happier. I mean, it's like when I was when I was growing up, um, my family. We lived in a fairly poor section of Spokane, and I think my, my father was a hard worker, and he worked hard, and he did, he worked, I don't know, one or two, two jobs, he worked hard, and he was also going to school at night, and he worked his way, and he got through school, and, and got his, his education, and, and uh, then he got a job as a, a school teacher in the Spokane School District, and um, I don't know if it was in part because he was actually earning a better salary, but also because um, he worked, he was teaching in a school that was all the way across town. So we picked up and moved. And when we moved from this, it was a fairly, fairly humble home and um, in a very humble neighborhood. And um, we moved to, I would say, an, at the bottom end of middle class. We moved up to the bottom end of middle class in this neighborhood up on another part of town. And um, it just happened to be that when this was going on, it was, I was at the age where mowing the lawn was my responsibility. And so um, I had this lawnmower, this push lawnmower. Now, some of you have never seen what this, one of these before. Those of you who have grown up in an iPhone and so forth, and you, you do not even know what this is, but when you push on that handle, the, the, those little things go like this and they slice the stalks of grass it's hard work, and it cuts a path about this wide. So you got to go around and around and around. And if you wait too long, it is it is a chore. I'm just telling you, it's hard work. And it, it, here's the thing: so we move in, we we moved up, and I thought, you know, I, I, I don't mind mowing this gr- green yard because we've moved up in life. And and then I looked across the hedge at this impeccable house next door, and I see the kid over there mowing his lawn. And you know, he seems like he's got one of these lawn mowers every time, and it's brand new. It's got a motor on it, and his lawn, and he's not only got that, but he's got a motorized other little thing that cuts the grass on the edge like this, you know? You got your sidewalk, so you mow it, and then one thing that cuts the edge like, and then he's got another one that cuts a, a, a it's a little mini lawnmower, it's like this wide to cut, I mean, it's just, he's got, and it's like I'm thinking, you know, if I had that, man, I could, life would be good. I would be really good, and I would start to daydream, about what kind of lawnmowers would be possible out there. 
And there are some pretty cool lawnmowers. There are some just, I mean, really cool lawnmowers. <laughs> of course, I never, um, but I would have even supported a one horsepower lawnmower if I could have got my hands on this one, okay? <laughs> we all know that with just a little bit more, we can be happy. And sometimes when we look at the way we think, the way we behave or some, the way we actually live, it sometimes can appear that we've bought into that kind of bad advice. And sometimes, you know, that advice promises us some happiness, but it actually will train us to become dissatisfied. We can actually become trained. And so in this, this uh, series, we've been comparing how um, bad advice compares to godly advice. And what, today I want to look at, at some, some advice um, that's intended to make you happy, but it actually can, can lead you to becoming dissatisfied. dissatisfied. So I want to start with our scriptures today in 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 6. Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So to you know, get really to the point here, Paul, I'm guessing that most everybody in this room has had something to eat this week, right? Some of us had more than others. I mean, I mean, I mean, Lisa's gone, and I have to tell you, I am eating junk food. It's terrible. I have just, I mean, it's bad. But anyway, and, and I, I, I'm thinking it looks like most of us have clothing. That's a good thing. I mean, we have food. <laughs> Work with me, okay? Work with me. Don't be such a tough crowd. Okay. Anyway, so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking if we have, it says if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. And, and, and most people, most people that we know have the basic necessities of life. We do. Most of us, you know, have the basics. But at the same time, most, maybe, maybe most, maybe at least many people are not content. We're just not content. And why? Well, it's because we've bought into this lie that says, if we only had a little bit more, then, then we could be happy. You know, and um, so here's a rhetorical question. Do not answer this. How much money would you need to be happy? Um, Gallup did a survey. It's kind of fun to get on the line and look at surveys to find out what people say about things. And so there were a couple of questions. And, you know, depending on, they ask people, this is the same question, but they also ask them, what's your current income? And so um, they found this, that if you earn about $30,000 a year or less, you think that $74,000 a year would be enough. So, okay, this is just a statistical from a survey. If you earn... 30, 30K a year, so that's $2,500 a month. If you earn $30,000 a year or less, you typically would think that $74,000, if I had that, I could do everything I want to do. Everything would be hunky-dory. We'd be great. You know, I could do, you know, like, you know. But then, of course, you end up with three kids, and you got to buy diapers and, you know, <laughs> clothes. And, 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 then, and even $40K a year, isn't going to sound like so much. Okay, Gallup survey. Another, so, so people who made under 30. Okay, people who made about 50000 a year answered, well, if I had about $100,000 a year, I'd be satisfied forever, you know? And maybe some of you thought that at one point, and then later 
you got to the point where that is your income, or maybe you have a combined income between two people in your household. And, 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 and if you look at that now, you'd say, hey, newsflash, um, that seemed like a lot of money at the time, but I got a mortgage payment, I got car payments. And by the time we pay for school and piano lessons and braces, that's not so much money as it sounded like back then. And it just doesn't, just doesn't go that far. How much do we need to be satisfied? How much do we need to be happy? The general answer is just a little bit more. <laughs> more. And Jesus told a parable, and he, I think, captures where a lot of us live on this topic spiritually. He, he, he says this, you can find this in Luke 12. He says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Okay, so, so in our terms, this guy is loaded. An abundant harvest so much that he doesn't have any place for it. I'd love to have that problem. How about you? Okay, um, okay verse 17. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. In other words, when I have all of this, then I'll be happy. And that's what a lot of us think. I think a lot of us think that one day if I have a bigger place with more grain in the barn, you know, I can take life easier and I'll be happy. And it's not just financial dissatisfaction that um, happens to some of us. You know, Some of us say, well, if I could just lose 20 pounds. <laughs> I'd be feeling better about myself. Some, maybe, maybe you have the opposite problem. If I could just gain 20 pounds, well, <laughs> you know, I'd feel better. Or if I just had a better job or, you know, a, a job with insurance or benefits or, 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 or we think, you know, if I could just be married, I would be happier. And then they think, you know, well, if I could, could we just have kids, then I could be happy. You know, and then when you get kids, you start thinking, well, you know, if they could just, when they get past the diapers, I'll be happy. When they can buckle themselves in the seatbelt by themselves, I'll just be happy with that. When they, when they can drive themselves, I'll be happy. When they can move out, I'll be happy. <laughs> and then they do move out. And they go to college. And then they move back in. Some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so... Further along this parable, Jesus, so Jesus says to this guy, verse 20, But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, settle down if you think I'm going to ask for your money today. This is not a giving message, so relax about that. But here's, he's saying, This is how it will be for, 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 with, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. So many people think, more things are going to make us happy. More, more things are going to make us satisfied. More, more things of this world are going to somehow bring me meaning. And because of that, because we buy into that, we're not really pursuing the riches that come from God, like a joy that can only come from heaven, or a peace that heaven gives that absolutely goes beyond your, your consciousness beyond the circumstances. It shouldn't happen and it doesn't make sense, but you walk in peace because God has somehow placed it there, right past your intellect. I love it when that happens. And, and how the Lord just will lead us if we'll be led 
towards relationships with people, friendships, people that can make a difference, great relationships. And, and the fact is, whatever your circumstances, you live in a very blessed part of the world, very blessed. And I could go on. And, and anyway, so we find ourselves dissatisfied. So I want to talk to you about some very common steps, very easy ways for you to become dissatisfied, okay? In case, basically I want to point out some pitfalls in some places. Okay, so number one way to become dissatisfied is to be ungrateful. <laughs> I'm not promoting that, I'm just telling you about it. Paul, Paul's talking to the Thessalonians and he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, the word tells us to do that, but do you maybe, maybe you know somebody that it seems like they just gripe all the time. Just, they're just griping all the time, or they're complaining. You know, they can find fault everywhere they go. They're pointing it out, just little needling comments. And here's the thing, God tells us that we're supposed to foster a genuine spirit of, of gratitude that's down deep, deep in our soul. And here's how ingratitude can kind of peak up and show itself. You know, and these, so these are kind of warning signs where, where ingratitude might be getting root. Here's one. When you start to react to uh, or, or resent God's goodness in other people's lives, and somehow you get, start to get jealous or you start to envy or maybe even be critical, you know? Like, um, you know, you think to yourself, <laughs> who, who do they think they are, you know, living so high and mighty and they're not that good a person. Why do they get that? Why does he get that shiny thing and I don't get that shiny thing? And you start to resent it. You know, they, they get a nicer car and you, and you think, well, it's probably going to break down on the freeway in rush hour, <laughs> leave transmission parts, all over, and they probably paid too much of that. Man, that is too flashy a car. Where they need attention? What's next? They're going to unbutton their shirt down here and wear a medallion? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, or, or if they get a raise at work and you think, you know, I deserve that raise more than they did. I, I, you know, or they have nicer clothes and you think, well, they just want attention, and so you kind of tell them. If you start to resent goodness in other people's lives, the, the, especially is, is that God's place there, that's, that's a chance that ingratitude is, 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 is getting in there because it makes us resent God's goodness in other people's lives. Another thing that we'll do is kind of like the opposite end of that same spectrum. We, we discount God's goodness in our own lives. You know, we're not grateful for what we do have. Whether, you know, maybe today my health is really good. I got great friends. I mean, or, or whatever other blessings, you know, we, we, we have plenty to eat and a place to stay and transportation and on and on. So, so number, one, number one way is to um, be ungrateful. Second, second attitude that will lead to dissatisfaction is this. Compare what you have to other people who have more. <laughs> and it's going to mess with you every single time you do that. Paul's talking to the Corinthians and he says this, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. And, and our, our mistake with this is that we'll compare ourselves with people who have more, typically a lot more, you know. You know and if you're not sure you like your house, a good way to do this is just to you know, binge watch HGTV. I'm telling you. 
I mean, you don't have to watch for very long and you start a couple of things, you know. And I, I've, I've fallen into this. I'm thinking, you know, I work hard and I'm loved and cared for by this church and, and God has always taken care of me and, and your leaders here do a good job of taking care of Lisa and me and I thank, thank you for that. But then I watch HGTV and I see some, I think, ordinary couple flip a house Okay, you watch any of those shows, okay? And the thing is, they take these just terrible houses, and they don't do any much of the work themselves. They just hire somebody to come in and do this. And like in four weeks, they've turned a house over, and, they, and then they put the math up at the end of the half hour. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, and the profit on this one is $180,000. I'm thinking, my leg. I'm thinking, you know, $180,000. That's like, okay, I, I can slip into this deal where I start to think, you know, I start comparing. How come this couple gets to make that kind of money in two months. I don't know what I'd do with that money if I had it. That's probably why God doesn't give it to me. But, I mean, <laughs> but I'm thinking, I mean, I, 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 start, I can start, or, or you start looking at what they do, you know, that nice subway tile and the, this, that, and they do these different things to the house. And it doesn't matter what your house looks like now. You start comparing to that, and all of a sudden your house is this pathetic little shack. <laughs> we can compare with everything, you know. We can compare salaries, marriages, you know, your washer and your dryer. You know, I got me a top loader, but a front loader would really clean my clothes. I mean, like somehow, I mean, I shouldn't make fun. But we do. We compare. We compare. You can compare anything you want to and get yourself. You can compare your bodies, you know. Ladies, you compare your bodies and your way you look with what you see on TV with some anorexic model who's been airbrushed and she hasn't eaten a carb since 2003. As if that's real, and as if that's real beauty. It has nothing to do with beauty, by the way. And, um, you know, I, I, buy your own airbrush. I mean, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> Guys, you know, whatever we do, we, we, we compare, you know, cars, trucks, whether we got hair. Some of us don't have hair. I'm losing mine. You know, you, you can compare when you turn on your computer and you start comparing, you know, I don't get as many likes. I don't have as many followers. And we compare with somebody that has more than us, and that's a surefire way to become dissatisfied. So uh, ways to become dissatisfied, be ungrateful, compare with people who have more. And number three, we pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Jesus is, said this is recorded by Luke. He says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Why, why is Jesus telling us this? Life does not consist in the abundance of, of possessions. Hmm. But if I turn on my TV, it tells me that I am what I drive. Or I, you, know, you are what you wear. Life is all about things. And our focus goes to things. You know, it's not about people. It's not about eternity. It's not about making a difference. We think short term. We think, we think in the moment instead of the eternal. You know, that, the bad advice is telling us that, that, that more is better. More is better. Bigger is better. Bigger is better. Now is better. Now <laughs> is better. Attitudes that lead to dissatisfaction. And number four is an attitude of entitlement. Entitlement. <laughs> Romans 6.23, okay, here's a bucket of cold water in the face of entitlement. The wages of sin is death. Yikes. 
I mean, that's scripture, the wages of sin and death. So what do you think Paul is telling us here that we deserve? This is on the topic of entitlement. You know, we actually deserve death. He's saying, you know, he says this, but we don't really want to believe that because we compare with people and circumstances that we think do deserve death. And even then, we don't want them to die. And, 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 and we look at things and we think, you know, I, I deserve better than that. I've had a rough life. I've, I've worked hard. I've got, you know, I've got more coming to me, right? I deserve more. I deserve some new shoes. And I deserve an outfit to go with those new shoes. <laughs> and I deserve a new car and a new boat. And I think I deserve a half gallon of toasted coconut ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling that way yesterday <laughs> and I went down to Papa Pizza and I had me a double pepperoni pizza and I haven't had double pepperoni pizza for a long time and I'm paying today so, but that's what we'll you know here's, here's what a lot of us are going to do today we're going to leave service and get in our car and we're going to drive our car with the windows up so the rain doesn't get us wet and we're going to get home to the home we live in, the shelter that's nice, and we're going to push a button. And the door is going to open. And our car has its own house. And we're going to drive the car into its own house and push the button. And the door is going to close. And it's going to be secure in there. And the rain doesn't come in there. And I'm safe. And I get out of my car and I'm going to walk into my climate-controlled house. And I'm going to go into my refrigerator and have my pre-chilled Diet Coke waiting for me or whatever else you've got in there for football or whatever. Today's a bye day, I guess, is it? I don't know. Anyway, so if we miss church because of a football game, that's not good. So what we do is we have a machine to watch the football game for us and tell us the story later. That's how that's supposed to work, by the way, a rabbit trail there. And I'm that is not in my notes. <laughs> and, and we then get up and we walk into our bedroom. And in, in the bedroom, there's another house for our clothes. Our clothes have their own house. And we walk <laughs> down the aisle of all the clothes. And we wring our fingers and they're all swinging as we push them. And then we say to our spouse, I don't have anything to wear. <laughs> And when we do that again and again, day after day after day, it can build into us a sense of entitlement. You know, we start to believe, I deserve a better lawnmower because I deserve it. And as much as we desire to be more mature and, and godly, how we live reveals what we believe. It's how we live. In other words, you know, you shouldn't tell, you know, there's no, you can't tell somebody else, you know, what you believe. It's, it's, it's your actions really show what you believe. How we live really, really reveals what we really believe. And, and I want to say this wouldn't, this next comment wouldn't necessarily be true for everybody, but um, if the way we live could speak, what many people's lives would be saying today would be this. What Christ offers is not as good as what the world offers. What Jesus offers us, measured by the way we live, 
isn't as good as what the world offers. In the first week of this series, we talked about you know, how to drift away from God. You know, we talked about, you know, even though God is a source of life, a shiny thing goes past us. We're like, you know, have you ever gone in a fish tackle department store and you see the stupidest looking things? Shiny, stupid looking things. With a hook right, right out there in front of God and everybody. But if you drag it through the water, the fish has got to have it. So we go through life and the shiny things pull us away and we chase those shiny things. These other things are going to satisfy me and we end up drifting away from God. The second week we talked about how to become addicted. We, we, we know that God offers peace. We, we know that he's the answer for anxiety and the source of everything we need. But suddenly something that's in a bottle or in a pill container says to us, you know, hey, if you partner up with me, you're going to relax. You're going to enjoy life better. You know, if, if you want fun, you got to have me. That's what's in that pill is saying. And if you smoke me, then you'll get through the deal. Or, or if you place the bet, then you're gonna, you'll experience this, this rush, this hit, this fun. And it'll make you satisfied. And, and how we behave suggests that we believe. Jesus just doesn't offer um, what something else offers us. The last week we talked about... Um, Unfaithful. We talked about the topic of, of adultery. And, and even though we promised God to be faithful to him or to her, and, and, and even though we believe that God ordained the institution and we believe in the institution of marriage, but something somehow worms into our heart, something outside of God's plan gets in there, and we start thinking, it's going to make me feel good for the moment. For the moment. And it's, you know, what Christ has planned for me is not as good as what the world offers. Today we're talking about how we become dissatisfied. And even though Jesus is life, even though Christ is what matters, the way we live says, but if I can have that car, if I can have that toy, if I can have that house, if I can live there, if I can have those friends, if I can have more Facebook friends, then I'd be satisfied and we continue to live that bad advice. I, I've, I've, been, um, in, I've been married long enough, many years now, decades, that I've been in a lot of what I call O-cute stores. Okay, an O-cute store is a store that guys will not go into on their own. They have to have a compelling female reason to go in there. And here's what an O-cute store is. You go in, you'll, here's how you'll know if you're in when you walk in, and first off, there's music playing, and it's some whiny woman singing this ballad song that makes you want to just put forks into your ears or something. And, and, and if you stand still long enough and just listen and ignore the music, you'll hear this from different points on the compass. Oh, cute. Oh, cute. Oh, cute. So, so if you... You know what I'm talking about? You, you, do not, you, you, you men do not know. You don't know what an oh, cute store is because you don't even know one of them. Anyway, so... Okay, so I've been in an O-cute store a couple of times, and I've noticed these signs. You know, there are these wooden signs that are painted with these phrases? <laughs> like that one right there, okay? That came out of an O-cute... No, I don't know if it, where it came from. Um, but I've seen these signs. So here's one that I really agree with. It says this, Gratitude turns what I have into enough. Man, that just challenges me. Gratitude turns what I have. It's, 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 it's not having enough that somehow changes your attitude. Here's the second sign. It's not happy people who are grateful. It's grateful people who are happy. Which came first, the chicken and the egg? It's basically, this is saying the grateful people are the ones who are happy. They're happy because they're grateful, not vice versa. 
There's a couple of terrific verses um, that'll kind of help us close out this message series in Philippians 3. Um, Paul's talking to the church members in, the, in Philippi, and he says this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, if you know Paul, you know he was really, really into his titles and his accomplishments and you know who he was and what he had done. And I have to say this, that the, that the older I get and the more mature I become, um, I kind of get this more. Um, it, things that I used to consider important in life, just today I consider a loss, you know. Because the closer I get to living in eternity, the more the things that really matter become more and more important to me. So, okay, I should pick this back up. Verse 8, what is more... I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He says, I consider all those other things a loss because the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. I used to think that was a platitude. I mean, I just sounded like something that if you were a religious, faithful person, you'd have to have that, your attitude. So buck up and have it. I don't think so. I think there's, there's something true that happens in a heart. Because, I mean, I think we should talk just for a minute about truly knowing Christ. Not just knowing about Jesus. But when you can know him in a really, really intimate way, you, you connect with him. His spirit leads you. He, his word guides us and, and his presence will empower you. And, and you wake up, you're not just living for the temporary pleasures of the world, but... You're living for something that lasts for eternity. And suddenly you look at people and you say, you matter more than stuff. You know, you look at what I have, you, you look at the things you have and you say, you know, I, you know, how can I use what I have to make a difference in this world? And how can I use whatever influence I have to help other people have more intimacy with Christ? I want to do that because of who he is in my life and because of what he did for me. When, when, when I was growing up, I was looking yesterday at this Bible that I had. That um, This was before, really, our family came to know Christ personally. Um, we attended a, a church in, in Spokane, I think, on Easter and Christmas, because that's what you did. And they gave me this Bible. I was looking at it yesterday. Um, it was a Bible for youth. And I was digging through some boxes of some old stuff. I'm trying to get rid of some old stuff. And here I come to this great big thick Bible for youth. And I thought, I don't even remember I had this thing. This has not been important to me. But it's from my childhood. So I, I kind of, I pack around. I keep everything. Lisa says, you got to get rid of some of this junk. So I'm looking at this thing. And this thing is just in the bottom of a pile. It didn't mean anything to me. Except that I had it from my childhood. But it meant nothing to me. Why? Because it was just an artifact from my past. Even though it was the word of God, I didn't know, I did not know Christ then. I just kind of grew up, I knew, I, knew, I knew very little about, little, just very little about God. I had no idea that you could know him personally. And Jesus is praying, and these are Jesus' words in, in John chapter 17. He says, now this is eternal life. What's the This. That they may know you, God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
Jesus wants you to know him personally. Personally. That's why his word matters so much when he reveals who he is and through his word. Um, and when you feed on his word consistently, your mind will move from the things of this world to the things of the kingdom that's coming. And suddenly you're not distracted so, so easily by the shiny things that promise, make promises to you, but they just do not deliver. They don't. He says, I consider all the loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And there's this word in this passage, um, that first verse that we read, um, Philippians 3. He says, I consider them garbage that I may know Christ. That's the New International Version. That word, garbage, <laughs> the Greek word translated garbage there, scubalon, actually means, and I'm going to be gentle with you, it actually means human waste. When you look at the different translations, the King James, the old, you know, the archaic, the and thou, King James, which I love that, that translation, it's the most polite, but it's the most honest of the, of the translations I've read to correctly translate that word. It uses the word dung, and that's being polite. You get where I'm going with this. You know, Paul says, you know, I consider whatever were gains to me to be human waste especially when I compare them to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Christ is more than enough. He's just way more than enough. I, I was thinking about, you know, what does that mean? And I, I mean, I, you know, we could, we could create this list. He, list. He's, he's everything. He's eternal. He's very God of very God. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He's the lion. He's the king. He's the soon and coming king. He's the rock. He's the living now. He's our savior. He's the lion and the lamb. And here's the thing. I mentioned this earlier. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to steal from you. He wants to kill and he wants to destroy. And um, sometimes the way we live can communicate that we believe that what Christ offers is not enough. Because if we had more, we just had a little bit more, just a little bit more than we could be satisfied. I want to say to you, the only thing that brings true eternal satisfaction is more of Jesus. More of Jesus. More of Jesus. Let's pray. God, um, I pray for... Um, sometimes we just have to kind of be resisting things aggressively spiritually. And God, I just want to aggressively resist a thought, maybe a commonly taught concept that more of the world will make us happy. And more of the world will just give us more of the world. But more of Christ will give us more of life. And although stuff and things may make us more comfortable, apparently more fulfilled, we think God, there is so much more beyond the current, so much more over the curve of the earth and so much more that you can do in our souls right now. Lasting joy, peace that goes beyond understanding, health, relationships. God, after you we seek. Your word tells us very specifically about this, to seek first the kingdom of God and, righteous, and your righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. We don't have to pursue all those things, Lord. Instead, we're to pursue you. So we seek your kingdom, Lord, and we seek you. I pray, Lord, for people who might somehow be 
too attached to their stuff. And I'm using gentle language. Lord, I pray that where there is stronghold there, that heaven would do warfare on that topic. I didn't pray about that at the beginning of service, but I know that was in your heart. The Lord, you would do warfare in areas that would somehow break chains, that would have us, our hearts, tethered to things that you never intended. And Lord, for people who know about you but do not know you, invite them, Lord, into the throne room. Invite them to the place of salvation. Invite them to the place of life and to hope, I pray. And I I thank you, Lord, that it's because of your loving heart that that's even possible. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to have you stand.